don't brush your hair in public spaces and all that other stuff. But that to me, he he listened to Nipsey Hussle on his walkout. That right. is incredible to me Twice. to embody that. That's he had awesome. two different Nipsey Hussle songs as his lockout. And by the way, because he's a dude, was... from, he's a dude from jail that don't know like flashy yeah. songs and interesting. Right. He knows what he knows, and he's hustling like Nipsey Hussle. You may fire when ready. What exactly is it that they do? Kick names. And here we go. Take us. Welcome to the podcast to give you a fresh perspective on movies, comics, and pop culture. We aren't afraid to give you an honest take and won't pull any punches. This is Films in Black and White. Ooh, welcome to Films in Black and White, everybody. We are so excited to be with y'all. I am Doug you Wagner. Last Doug, last time I checked, last Wagner. Check. Uh, <laughs> y'all, we got a we got a great episode to get into. We are gonna cover a little bit of Oscars. We're gonna cover oh a little bit of Last of Us season finale, and then we're gonna dive into Creed three. So we got mm-hmm. a we got a full slate stacked yeah. to get Big into. Game. Uh, and just as a heads up, we are going to get into Creed 3. We are also going to get into The Last of Us season finale. So if you had not watched either of those things, uh, maybe put a pin in this. Come back yep. later. Yep. Early warning. We'll give you some reminders. There'll be timestamps, but as we have it. But gentlemen, Word. it's been a minute. We took last week off, so we got to do a little catching up, a little checking in. So I'm going to kick it on down to Marcus J. Destin, a.k.a. Damn Diamond Dame. Yeah, Damn <laughs> Diamond Dame. Damn Diamond Dame. I'm good. We here. Uh, me and Dougie Fresh went to uh, went to uh, Sioux City to go see Creed 3 yesterday in the comic book store. And uh, it's spring break for us, so it's really oh. was like a huge. It's just quiet. I work from home today, just because yeah. I knew that there's nobody on campus, and that that was the most exciting thing to just get a break to do. Kind of some background stuff I've been putting off since beginning of February. So for sure, you know, we here, we live and in living color as always. Well, Black History Month is hard, both yeah. as. A, a black person in America, but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. it's hard mm-hmm. as someone who has to plan all of the events yeah. that they have yeah, to put on. So yeah, yeah I'm sure right. February was a blur. Because if you don't do it, then who will? Also, that song, man. I don't know. I'm gonna. I might start a petition to make that our new theme song because I just was. <laughs> it's I hot. was feeling that. I was yeah, like, that's, I got really good. I'm fired up. That's that's in the Creed movie. That, that that's good. I went down a couple of rabbit holes. That soundtrack was definitely one of them. But yeah. we will we will it's absolutely good. get into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, Brian. Hello. Joel did nothing wrong. Roush. <laughs> that's me. How you feeling? That's me. Uh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great to be here. It was a jam packed week for me. Oh yeah. Celebrated three birthdays uh, in my household of five people over the past week. So I'm a little. I'm a little like I'm like whoo taking a beat like taking a breath, but my wife had her birthday, my second oldest son Parker had his birthday, and birthday. I had my birthday. So Happy birthday was just, all around. Yeah, and Doug yeah. Had his birthday too. And Doug had his birthday the day before. My wife had her birthday, yeah. so just Sheesh. birthday bonanza here. So yeah. yeah, I just took a week and we just we just did birthdays. So I saw a bunch of family. <laughs> Got That's some good. good time in, so but but I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be back, especially 
I, I wasn't able to see Creed 3, so I'm very okay. curious to hear how you all liked it. I'm really excited to hear how you all liked it. Also super pumped for us to talk about Last of Us, because like that show hurts so good. It hurts and so I, good. I, it I have really, this hole so in good. my heart that I'm, I'm happy we're at least going to be able to talk about Last of Us. Yeah. I feel like I really I revealed something to Marcus that he's going to hold against me when we get oh, into Last of Us. I, Brian, so, I can't wait to tell you. I'm not holding any oh, secret. I, I'm, can't I'm, I'm, I love it. And so we're just we're going to get there. Yeah, it's, we'll get yeah. there. We get there. Um, yeah. Brian, <laughs> the Mandalorian. Also, we are two episodes in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Three, which we yeah. have not yes. touched on. Are you yes. enjoying it thus far? I, I am like this is I mean, I don't know. I just I, I feel very lucky as a Star Wars fan that we just get yeah. weekly yeah. Star Wars beamed into our TV like every week. Like that's just I don't know, man. Like that's that seems pretty great. And I'm loving it. The robots drop it into our boxes and we just we go from there. The, I mean, awesome. the robots can even notify you on your pocket computer. I mean, like, it's, it's pretty great. Oof, that's creepy. I mean, Petra <laughs> Pascal also just being a part of like, uh huh frequently being man. a part of the content I'm consuming in this past yeah. month is mm-hmm. just very intriguing to me. <laughs> I I was cruising YouTube and I got an ad for the mobile game Merge Mansion. Oh yeah, and, he and he's there it. too. Yep. Oh, and I just I was like, too. I cannot escape this man. He's being mm-hmm. memed. He's Joel. He's Mandalorian. He's everywhere. I mean, he's everywhere. Everywhere. And and Brian everywhere. made a good point. He, he tweeted something that I thought was really funny. That, oh, shucks. Between Mandalorian and then Last of Us season, uh, episodes five and or six and seven, yeah, yep. he was like Brian said, Pedro Pascal getting getting paid to just be unconscious in two oh, two yeah. shows, just hey, getting he's a got a maid, man. Just what a lifestyle to live. <laughs> Brian, I oh Roman had a birthday for a two year old, so yeah. happy birthday! Oh, shout out to Roman! So shout out, uh, joining happy us on birthday. the birthday train. Um, oh, which is exciting. um, Brian, I have a lot of questions about that smoky eyeball creature that we got in the most recent <laughs> episode of, the, oh of the Mandalorian. I love that weird little guy. I'm seeing a lot of connections to uh, General Grievous. He sounds very I, similar, but I'm not smart enough or know enough to be able to pick up where that's being laid down. I mean, honestly, I think that's like a new, I think that's just a brand new original creature. Oh, yeah. And I love it. And it's like steampunk grievous eyeball monster. And I just, yeah, I really like it when Star Wars gets weird. Yep. If you've listened to this kind. podcast before, I like it when it gets political. I like it when it's Starfighters, <laughs> but it's at its best when it's weird. And this was, man, this, like that episode, episode two of season three, really just cranked the weird up. And it was like, I don't know, man, going to this cave, find weird stuff. Yeah. Hope you enjoy spelunking because that's what this episode <laughs> Pretty is. Pretty much. That's exactly is. what it is. Pretty much. Doug, how are you doing? Good. Uh, been busy. We've been busy. Yeah. Uh, it, first off, we had to spring forward, which, y'all, I, look, can we Why just we stop with daylight mm-hmm. savings time? Yeah. Like, it's broadly kinda, speaking, can we just like be scam. done with it? It, it does. I feel like I'm getting hosed and someone's <laughs> getting something on me and I don't enjoy it. Um, also, Marcus got to see me in 
Marcus knows that I go through Sam's Club with the same <laughs> level of efficiency that I go through a comic book store. I so, blinked and we were done. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much the basis of that. Yeah. He kept saying, like, I love that you just know where everything is. I was like, Yeah, man, yep. it's not my first rodeo. Because like, you know when you're like for. following somebody in the store and you don't know yeah. you shop with them for the first time. Uh-huh. You don't yeah. know what their path is or like what their shopping methods are, right? right. Some people are really sticklers. Some people can kind of go into the store and they float around and end up to where they need to be. That's sure. true. Doug just went to place, and as somebody following, you know, when somebody makes a quick turn and it's kind of like you got to be on your P's and Q's, like he was just busting lefts and rights and knew exactly, <laughs> reaching across the aisle, grabbing bananas, grabbing. <laughs> he just he knew exactly where everything was, and I blinked yeah. and it was over. Yeah, that's we pretty much how it was. And also, <laughs> Marcus had this moment in the comic book store with me because I was using up some birthday money at the comic nice. book store, and I was sitting there and I was like, "Here's all the stuff that I have." He's like. Yeah, I don't think you're ever gonna get through because I have, I have two boxes, y'all. Okay, I have my red box where everything that I've read so far, and oh, then wow. I have my unread box, things that have not been read. And Marcus goes, "I don't think you're ever gonna get through the unread box." And I said, "I am not. I I am not going to get through." <laughs> He's it. gonna start a third box. I'm gonna have gonna to be the unread unread box. I mean. <laughs> It's, I, to, I have to agree with you, Marcus. It's, yeah. We're going to get to that point. But, gentlemen, <laughs> we have a whole show to get through. Uh, uh, oh, wanna, we, we also continued the birthday train. We celebrated Harper's birthday. Oh, oh well. Harper. Happy Ooh, birthday, really? Harper. The, the first week has seen several birthdays <laughs> it's, across it's, the it's black and white family. It's so over. it's been a lot. But, Marcus, take it away. Uh, I want to make sure that you all are following us on our socials, Instagram at films in black and white, Facebook at films in black and white, Twitter at films in B underscore W. And of course on TikTok at films in black and white, we somehow started a new series over there that people seem to be enjoying of the Democrat or Republican MCU characters. It's, there are seven episodes out now. I think we maybe got like three more to go. So. Look, I don't, we should just keep going. Yeah. I don't like to get high on our own supply, but there was a moment when I was watching, Watching those and I was like, God, I love us. Yeah, like it's yeah, just like yeah. the dialogue and discussion is yeah, fantastic. So, so make sure you follow us, stay connected with us, y'all. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh gentlemen, we have a whole podcast to get to, but first we need to play Catch That Quotable. Ooh, the return of the silky sound, Marcus J. Uh, gentlemen, are you ready for this week's quote? I'm going to be honest with you. No, I'm not ready. Okay. Okay. No, okay. He's candid. He's candid. Hey, yeah. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Uh, well, here we go. We're going to do it anyway, whether All you're right. ready or not. And here we go. Moisture is the essence of wetness, and wetness is the essence of beauty. That sounds disgusting. It is also sounds very gross. Sounds very sticky. Moisture is the <laughs> moisture is the essence of wetness, and wetness is the essence of beauty. You know what it kind of sounds like? It kind of maybe could sound like something like blue steel, like somebody trying to I I, I don't know. About to say this has Zoolander vibes. Oh, yeah, this is for uh, sure, gentlemen. There's no guess. This is a commercial from Zoolander where he's the mermaid. Oh, okay, good. So there's no okay, question. Okay, good. That's what okay, good, good, good. Okay. I was waiting. I was thinking for... about the gasoline scene, and I was like, "Well, that was a wet scene." And so, okay, yeah, good. Yeah, I, look, yeah, that's, I, that's I, what this is. Okay, all all of us were dialed in. Look at that. Yeah, we was on yeah, the same. Take a week off. Come back connected. That's exactly locked what we in. We got it. It yeah. was Zoolander. 
There we go. We That's got a wrap. That has to be one of the fastest ones we've ever done. Yeah. yeah there was, there yeah. have been a couple where, Brian, you've had one and Marcus, you've had one where it was like, I got done reading it. And you're like, oh, it's this. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but this, but one, yeah, this one seems more like there. it was like all of us knew it was something, yeah. but nobody yeah. wanted to say it first. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also want to talk about wetness for a second, which uh, I realize why? is weird. What are we um, doing? Y'all, I Moist. need to ask about sound effects because I had to take a break from losing to come back and win. That's right, Roman. We <laughs> did have to take it. That's, <laughs> that's exactly like, how that's what works. we call a halftime cleanup. Okay? Yeah, that's what we call. Yeah, it. That was, that was going some in, locker room magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. going into the when second coach, quarter down. Well, coach yep. just rips your ass right before the second half, and he's like, "You don't get your shit together." <laughs> You'll run sprints. I want to know yeah. what they use for like meat or soup or like sounds like because there's some sound effects that sound awful slurpy and i i don't know what i was watching the other day but i was watching something and i like noted it i was like oh that sounds gross like and i think it was just you know what i think it was i think i was watching so Brittany and i've been on this train of watching the prequels to yellowstone i haven't watched okay. yellowstone i didn't know i didn't know yellowstone had a oh prequel my, don't they have like two yellowstone? of them there are two of them jesus 1883 which is depressing uh, as hell because it's essentially yeah. about the oregon trail Good and Lord. everybody dies and then there's <laughs> 1923 and 1923 is about like the great depression in the dust bowl in right. wyoming and so uh, in wow. montana and Harrison Ford stars in 1923, by the way. That checks out. Yeah. Good for him. That's Sam, that is exactly what that sound is. Slapping ground I, beef together. Good I, Lord. This sounds disgusting. I think it was like lions <laughs> eating meat, but it was like. <laughs> I was like, are they okay. drinking the meat? Our listeners like, have what just. What is happening? Wait, is this from 1923? Yes. <laughs> and yes. was it Harrison Ford and. No, who's, there's who's a whole playing, thing. Like, isn't it Helen Mirren? Uh, Helen Mirren plays his wife. Okay. Um, and 19, 1923, there's a Whoa. there's a there's a dad. <laughs> Sam is wild. Uh, oh, yo, <laughs> that is yo. I don't know if that comment Whoa. is. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. I wish. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, they're in Africa because one of the cousins of the brothers or somebody is Africa. I haven't watched Yellowstone. Okay. So I don't know the family tree. So I have to like pop it and Brittany has to like bring me. I'm like, now who is that? She's like, oh, that's this person on the show. Okay. Right. Great. Right. Um, but the lot he's in Africa hunting monsters that eat people like lions, hyenas, stuff like that. And there's a pride of lions that are making slurping sounds. I think Sam's lion slurping. I think I think I think Sam Angel broke Marcus. I think is what just happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I I yes. When you follow slapping ground beef together with that comment, that's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I mean, there's a reason we don't do a lot of your mom jokes here. Otherwise, we, we're not gonna get anything done. All right. Well, I mean, one person's mother has been on this podcast. So we have true. to be very careful. That's we true. have yeah, to be we, very. We have, this careful. is a delicate issue. Don't it's say her name too many times. She'll pop up. So. <laughs> she'll like, she'll phone in. Like she'll like. Phone it's like Candyman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, we I'd like us to dive into the Oscars really quick because mm. okay. if you didn't hear about it, it's because nobody had the shit beat out of them okay. on public can I, television. Can I start? So, <laughs> can I just start? I'll start with this. Yes. Can I just start with this since we you dug bought it up? Well, okay. I am so sick and fucking yeah. tired okay. of hearing about this damn slap. Okay. 
Now, yeah. I just want to slap people. I just want to slap people that talk about it because okay. it, yeah. it was like a, it was like a domino effect, right? Because you had Chris Rock special that came out on Netflix when Netflix was testing their live comedic technology which, out, which which I watched. Which oh, that'd be interesting. Which I watched. I did not watch that because I didn't want to hear about no damn slap. I, so I, then the okay. Oscars come out and they're talking about the slap, and then something else had happened that brought up. Oh, let me tell you what set me off. Jimmy okay. got damn Kimmel. He, oh. For some reason, Jimmy Kimmel just kind of gets on my nerves, and I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where we're famous. I also kind of get it. And I hope, I, even if we get to the point where we all become famous enough to do this podcast, go on the road, do interviews, and do Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel night, or if I become, or individually, whatever the case may be, shout out to you, Jimmy, but you annoy the hell out of me. I'm just be honest with you. Because you just do shit that you lie on the floor when somebody's receiving an award. How many incidents since yeah. the Oscars? You do all, and they just, god damn. So that's, that's, that's just where I want to start. I did think, okay, that being said, I yeah. did think his joke of where he was like, if anyone comes up to here and slaps me, he's like, you will be immediately presented with the award for best actor. Like, I thought, because there's, because he had that joke where he's like, you'll be immediately yep. awarded yep. and then you'll be allowed to talk for 18 minutes. I thought, to me, that was so funny just from the comedic timing of it all, yeah. because you expect him to be like, yeah. you'll be escorted off. But then the, it, it was just a well, it was a well timed, structured I, joke that yeah. I could appreciate. Yeah. No, Jimmy Kimmel has always had this vibe of like he's really good at the observation, observational humor. Yep. With yeah. ending it with something wry or dry. Oh yeah. At the yeah. end of it, he's yeah. that well, guy at the party where it's like you make you make a joke and and you miss it. Like well, so. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, Marcus. Funny. Like it's not that he's not funny. I just feel like I don't know. It, it's just something when 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 Quinta Bron Bronson won the yep. award. I don't lay down in the middle of it. I understand I like all that. the all the comedians was like, we get it, it's comedy, but do cha. But to me, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this just seems yeah. annoying. Well, and don't I mean, forget, don't forget, Jimmy Kimmel did blackface. Let's just let's, let's not let's not tuck that so, under the rug. So did back Downey in the Jr. back on the day when he was on the Man Show, he did an impression of Carl Malone, uh, and it's yeah. not like he didn't. <laughs> like so and see, he has since apologized mm -hmm. and said like that was out of line i shouldn't have done it i apologize to carl i apologize to everybody so he's, he's apologized but let's also yeah. not forget that he did blackface he, well he's, he's the type to do comedy and then and then apologize that's what he yeah. does it every time he just uh -huh. does it yep and then doesn't think it through but anyway yeah. back to the anyway. Episode, I guess. uh chris rock's special is to be honest this whole thing with Chris uh, and Will is like ten a ten minute bit, and that's it. Otherwise, okay. the whole rest of it. And there are moments that are very funny, but then there are also moments where it's like it was kind of hit or miss. And I think it could be that this is the first time Chris yeah. Rock has done stand up in a while because there were just some things where I was like, "Ooh, didn't land." Well, so, he's been on tour though, right. so I don't think that that's it. I just think that he's a little bit disconnected chris rock is not a bad comedian no no, no no but no. he's not my favorite and when he no. was like in the 90s like he went on that run where he was just in everything yeah on everything mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna deny that chris rock is funny and he has i mean you look at pootie tang you look at everybody <laughs> hates chris you look at all these shows that you know he puts his comedic talent into um i just did i also didn't see the special i just know i didn't want to watch it i'm not the audience for that yeah yeah Brittany yeah. and i Brittany and i watched it and to be honest, the Will Smith stuff was just like, 
it was like the last thing he talked about before he did a, his closing joke. Yeah. And it was just sort of like, oh, okay. I mean, you weren't going to make it through. Now he kept, he kept teasing throughout the whole thing. He's like, cause the last thing I need is a beef with another rapper. Like he'd bring up like yeah. Jay Z's like, and I'm not trying to say that cause the last thing I need is a beef with another rapper. So yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we, we came, we came to talk about the Oscars, <laughs> but we right. are, ended up talking about Will Smith. Again, That's all right. And Chris Rock again. But gentlemen, thoughts on winners. Uh, any that are stand out that you're like, yeah, I'm really excited about that one or anywhere you are like, oh Ooh, that was a myth. That's, that's not one that I was happy with. I mean, I, I think we got to talk about Ruth Carter, uh, now mm-hmm. a two time, uh, woman Shut of color, up. Oscar winner, uh, who oh, won yeah. for best costume design, uh, University Panther, Wakanda forever. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, that is one of the history making things here uh, from the from the ceremony that I I just I, I wanted to make sure that we touched on. And I think I mean, I don't think it's going to be any surprise. We're going to talk about everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they basically swept. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but this is a I, I knew they'd win some awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think they'd win most of their categories. Yeah, they won. They won best film. They went best actress. They won <laughs> best uh, supporting actor. They went. Uh, they won best supporting actress. They won best director. They won like they won uh, all of the big ones. Like all of the big ones. They won. yes, yes. Michelle Yeoh was the first Asian actress to win best yes. actress. Yep. Yes. Um, I mean, shout out to. I still have not seen everything everywhere all at once. Neither and- have I but I, I hear good things about it. I probably need to watch it just cause it was the most talk, but y'all know how I am about popular shit being talked about. Like I, I, just, I, I know Cause I'm it. the same way. I get it. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have seen it twice and I love it. I yeah. like, I'm definitely Damn, one of those fanboys about it. Um, and it was really funny though. Cause like, I mean, these movies that win, like it, it's fun, like my parents visited, uh, for my birthday and, and they were like, yeah, we started watching it we got a half hour and we, we turned it off and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this movie connects with me on a cellular level, but you like, you just, you weren't there and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I do feel like there's a lot of people in this position of just like, okay, I understand this was a big deal. I, I haven't seen it and I get it because it's a weird movie and mm-hmm. that's kind of why I'm so excited that it won so many things because it is like it's out there like and it's funny because as i was talking about it with my parents my dad was like i don't understand it like how are there other universes and sometimes i forget that like i like there are other people than me that like don't live in a world where it's like oh yeah like string theory multiverses like that's all normal like get on board and but like if you're if you're an average moviegoer like my dad someone's like there's a multiverse he's like hang on stop but you gotta <laughs> define multiverse you need yeah. to speak slowly yeah i gotta yeah. i gotta do what to access the multiverse so like yeah i'm glad that this movie is having its moment i do think yeah. like the the main core narrative of it between the mother and the daughter is is phenomenal and of course i love all the sci-fi hijinks that go mm-hmm. with it so i'm just oh, happy yeah. that it's getting its moment it do do we think uh like i'm fine with um I'm fine with it winning maybe best picture over Wakanda forever. Like I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do we think that it was given that because it's an original movie and not a Marvel movie? Why do you, is it really genuinely better than Wakanda forever? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Cause Brian, you're the only one that has seen both. Here's the thing. Like I, and I tell this to people when I talk about Wakanda forever, like what, like 
Wakanda Forever is so personal, and and people like give me a weird yeah. look when I say that. But like, if you know the MCU, you know Black Panther, and you mm-hmm. know Chadwick Boseman. Wakanda Forever was the it, it was more than a movie to me. It was this it was this balm. It was a step forward. It was an acknowledgement. It was like moving through grief, all packaged into like a two and a half hour runtime. Yeah. And it's really hard to be like, yeah, I guess there are better movies than it, but it's yeah. a special place because it had to do so many things and it did all of them well, in my yeah. opinion. Like so. From a narrative standpoint, I think you're right, Marcus. Like, I think people would give everything everywhere all at once, like kind of this a little bit more of a bump because it is an original screenplay. It is kind of this underdog. It only had a budget of $15 million mm-hmm. um, compared to Wakanda Forever, which was like busting up 200s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was totally out of nowhere. I mean, like, so and so. I think it's hard for me. It's like <laughs> choosing between like, who's your yeah. favorite child? Mm-hmm. Because like, it's just Wakanda forever does this thing that I don't really think another, I don't know. It's very hard for me to compare it to a different movie because it did so many things well, but I agree. Your assessment is right, Marcus. I think everything everywhere all at once was seen in a more favorable light. It wasn't part of the big MCU machine. It was something original and mm-hmm. something different. Yeah. yeah. Everything everywhere all at once feels very similar in how it was received by like your average Joe as the same yes. way the movie, sorry yes. to bother you was received. Mm. Like it's just weird <sighs> enough. You know what I mean? It's just weird oh, that's enough. Perfect. That's hard for people to, it's good. It's well done. They did a fantastic feat with such a small budget, but it's hard. It's, it's hard that if you're not super into like sci-fi or kind of weird, it could be hard to really like cut to. So that is the perfect, that is, that is the perfect comparison. It is, that is yeah. absolutely the family it is in. And mm-hmm. so if you like, sorry, to, like, like, sorry to bother you, you will enjoy everything everywhere all at once. I'm then I'm, ex- then I'm excited okay. to watch it. Yeah, um, I will tell you the one thing I'm excited for. I'm excited that uh, Elvis did not get any awards. Uh, um, I'm also wow. excited, especially that Austin Butler did not get any awards because there's something about Austin Butler that I just don't enjoy. He yeah. might have to enter in the same conversation as my as my miniature beef with Meryl Street because it's just he seems like Meryl, somebody. I love you, poor Meryl. He I love just you too, Meryl. fucking insists like I'm a good actor. Doing a southern accent for a week doesn't make you a good actor. I do a southern accent in my house by myself. So like, let's not say that that's what I, makes you a good actor. I worry that he teeters the line of Jared Leto. I've also yes. I don't think I've seen oh. Austin Butler in like a lot of different things. Yes, but the way that he was method acting Elvis with the voice and everything. That's what got me annoyed. And like, yes, yeah, I just figured that he teaches that. Like, I ain't got no problem with him. I, I might watch whatever else. I just don't know what else to watch with him in it. I, That's I, also I, fair. I, and I think the Austin Butler stuff, like, there were, I, you know, I saw a lot of commentary on it on social media, like mainly TikTok and, and Twitter. And people were like, ah, this just wasn't your award season. Like, it, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get you next time. And I just, I have yet to understand the appeal. Of the Elvis movie, I, I like or like Austin Butler himself with that performance. I just, I was not enamored. Like I, I just, I don't get it. And maybe it's not for me, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Not everything is for me, but like, I just couldn't see what other people were seeing. And I think that's the other thing with it of just kind of like, yeah, I, I'm not surprised compared to everything else that was out there. Mm-hmm. The only other movie that he's like credited in that I have seen 
is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> it's like it's a lot of TV series. It's I know he was on a lot of Disney stuff. I think he was yeah. on like, quite I a few Carly, Disney things. Yeah, Hannah like growing Montana. up. He was the young, handsome, blonde teenager growing Aliens up in the crush. In the so huh. I get it. One of the Zeke things and Lu- <laughs> Zeke and Luther. Oh yeah. That is. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a sign. Oh, sign me up for Zeke and Luther. That was oh, a yeah. skating show, wasn't it? Could was... you imagine well, being no. the guy who brought his Grubhub order and he shows up <laughs> acting like Elvis? This has to be a moment. It's like, like, what are you doing? Like, is this so a? Confused. Are you doing a bit? Like, is this a yeah. bit? Like, I don't, don't like know. it. Yeah. <laughs> like that guy. I always think back to that guy that snitched on Andrew Garfield for. Oh yeah, Spider Man. Oh like, yo, I just dropped right. this burger off the Andrew Garfield. I think they do on Spider Man three. And I was like, oh shit, I don't think that was supposed to come <laughs> yeah, out. Let me let me get that let me get that burger for me, honey. Oh yeah, like I just <laughs> there's no way. Oh my gosh, that... I forgot Austin Butler was on Arrow as as was oh I think he was Adrian Chase. I need to do, I need to verify. No, he this. was not not also, Adrian Chase. He's listed as Chase though. Also, on Arrow. Uh, the writer of Arrow is not happy that they He's decided not, to drop that. He, he came out not. and he was like, you want to know something? Fuck all the time that I put into this. God damn it. Like He's yeah. so mad. He's like, he I'm sorry. I." Pissed. The quote is, I'm sorry I wasted my time on the Arrowverse. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was, he was very, he was very pissed. Oh, yeah. Very pissed. Um, anyway. Not happy at all. Wow. Um. Okay, here's okay. Right, let's I want to get to this thing. Sorry, I was looking up Austin Butler and Arrow. All right. Um, here's the two things that got me from the Oscars. I did not watch the Oscars, I just caught up in, like through Twitter. That's pretty much highlights. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how I watch sports mm-hmm. now. I don't really That's watch how I do games. it too. Um Angela Bassett, yeah, not receiving best he supporting actress. Unpack this. I like Jamie Lee Curtis, just like everybody else loves Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Um I ain't got no problem with Jamie Lee Curtis. And I don't even think it falls on her. Like, I'm not even blaming her because obviously she ain't got no choice in the matter to receive the award or not, as far as we know. Right. No. But Angela Bassett was on a run for all of, of, of for Wakanda Forever at all of the other award yeah. shows she's been at. Yeah. And they all saw the same thing. And I don't know what the decision is when you get to this moment. Is it, oh, you've already won enough? Yeah. Or is it, we need to, or how do you give the best picture, but not give best supporting actors? Like, I don't know what the thought process is, but I disagree with it. I love Michael B. Jordan and um, Jonathan Majors going up on stage afterwards and saying, hey, auntie, we love you because Angela Bass has done so much in the culture of movies, especially as a black woman in movies and the roles Uh that she has played, to miss it by this much. Like, that just felt like, it's not a snub. I don't want to call it a snub because she got nominated and got recognized. Mm-hmm. But also, it's a it's kind of a slap in the, like a slap in the face a little bit to me. It does make me ask the question that is if this if you gave the same performance and the same energy in a non Marvel movie, would yep. you have won it? Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't think I, I don't ahead. think that's fair. Like I don't think that's fair to be like, oh, you were in some comic book movie, like you don't deserve to be recognized. And again, she got award, she got nominated, she got recognized. Mm-hmm. Just there's a part of me that's like, that was a pretty emotional. I mean, from an actor to be able to give that much in that oh, role. Before Brian deal. goes, I want to add a little bit more context too, right? To me, on why I think she should have won. And who am I? Who the fuck am I? I'm just got to do a podcast with his two buds. <laughs> that's true. But you know, I'm thinking about the 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 role that you step into when your lead actor passes away. 
mm-hmm. un- unannounced, uh, right? Yeah. The the context behind Wakanda Forever, I feel like should have given it a boost because your lead actor passed away and now you are forced to step up yeah. and and feel that vo- like multiple people have to feel the void for one person going like passing away. Right. And to me, she did that very well where i felt personally like i rewatched wakanda forever shuri the actress that played shuri letter right did not latia right did not do bad yeah but the the golden like the golden standard in that movie is angela bassett through make no mistake the the emotional anchor in that movie only works because of angela bassett yeah that's a hundred percent that sets a st- like namor is good i love namor for what he was as an antagonist yes but she sets the she was what we felt as an audience emotionally mm-hmm. yes yeah i would agree yeah. with that uh, and I agree. like seeing everything everywhere all at once and Wakanda forever. We're, we're coming back to this yeah. again. I should have yeah. known this, but like, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is talented. And I, I don't, mm. and it feels like more Angela Bassett lost more than Jamie Lee Curtis won. If that makes oh, any sense. 100%. Perfect. Like, I have nothing against Jamie Lee Curtis. It just, you, you, I, I have seen those performances basically side by side. And I think they're yeah. both good, but, the the emo- the raw energy that Angela Bassett puts into Wakanda Forever is to me unmatched. I, yeah. I don't I don't see how anyone can rival that performance or say like I don't know. It's very hard for me to point to another performance and be like that's clearly better. Like I, I, I'm uh-huh. no like when she's at the UN, it's a home run. When she's talking to Okoye, it's a home run. Everything. When she's talking to Ironheart right before she, like her character dies. You have a triple, like you have, you have, I mean, I can keep going. I just, I think, I do think it is this view from the Academy that comic book movies just aren't the same caliber. And if it's a comic yeah. book movie, then you're not actually mm-hmm. doing the work, which we Un- all know. Like, how yeah, the like, fuck does true. that, how does that make Marvel the goddamn underdog at the Oscars year after like that is kind of an incredible thought process to be like disney and marvel the ones that are probably putting out the most movie Mm -hmm. content uh tv whatever across disney is just running the game with content right yeah makes them the underdog again like that's weird yeah it's It's wild as shit I, yeah. it, it, I, I don't know. I, I I have a lot of thoughts on it and like none of them are coherent, but I do think that the, the Academy just tries to like, well, we have this standard and it's like your, your standard is like so removed from like reality and like what's accessible to people like that it, it loses touch. And just because something is popular doesn't mean that it's like diluted. It, it, it can be popular and good. Mm-hmm. Two things can exist at once, and I feel like they, they, the, the academy, the voters chose one when mm-hmm. it could be both. Well, it's, and again, that's where I'm at. Again, it's if if the role of the award is to recognize achievements in cinema, right. not achievements in original cinema. I mean, right. we're kind of getting to the point where there are very few original stories out there. Mm-hmm. So to only recognize them, I think, is a little bit of a slant and a bias to say. We're only going to recognize things that are achievements in original, original cinema. I don't know. That just seems like a bridge too far. I, like, I and, will, that, uh, and that man. just means to predicate. But and here's the here's where I'm going at with that is that it's it's essentially saying like 
you automatically have a leg up because it's an original story. Think about the act. Okay. Take it or leave it. Yeah. The story might not be original, but at some point in time, like the actors and the effort, the quality of the work needs to speak for itself. It's almost like I'm read. I didn't like the book because the sto- I've read that story a thousand times, but not appreciating like the writing or the character arcs in it. I, that's where I kind of have trouble. And I, I do got to say, like, I don't want to just seem like I am shitting on everything oh, everywhere no. all at once. Because if I got to defend the like, they're they are also considered the underdog mm-hmm. on paper of yes. going against these big, huge, giant movies. Although they have gotten their accolades too across mm-hmm. award shows. They're also an underdog on paper, but then when it comes to, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, how do you fight the system? Yeah, The system views you one way, and then the people view you another way, and it's like, well, damn, I don't know, who do you champion in this? Because there does have to be a winner, somebody's got to yeah. be a loser. Like, yeah. that's well, the... I, I mean, and you can night. have an unoriginal story or a reboot of a story if it's Shakespeare, because King mm-hmm. Lear got nominated for a bunch of stuff with Anthony Hopkins in it a few years ago. So mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like star, Macbeth, didn't Macbeth did Macbeth did too? Didn't a star, yeah, I think so. Uh, y'all, A Star Is Born was a remake, and yeah. three years ago when that came out, they were like, "Can you believe Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga?" Like. One, people yeah, they still talk about that. Performance, they were act- the still they were actively fucking on set. Well, I, so, yeah, I can absolutely believe <laughs> that they had a romance in that movie because they were living it out in real life. So that Oscar's performance of them in that song, you you expected them to just start making out. Let's it was, just it was there was yeah. some there was you some could up- tell they were slapping the ground beef together. They were slapping that beef <sighs> hard. <laughs> I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just disappointed. I'm just, okay, well, uh, yeah. the name of this episode is Slapping, slapping the Beef. Yeah, uh, Slapping the Beef. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I also, the last thing I'll say is congratulations, my man, Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, for you sure. Yes. For sure. I mean, did it. I really want to see The Whale. I haven't had a chance to see it. It came yeah, to Berm Theaters, just didn't get a chance to it. I was busy, but I am going to see that. I'm also a little nervous to see it because I feel like it's going to make me cry like and i'm like i'm not sure if i'm ready for that it feels like one of those movies where i have to be like this is gonna be sad mm-hmm. i have yep. to like prepare yep. mentally to see yeah i'm glad that my man just won yeah i mean i know a lot of people disagree because there was a lot of people now this is not the best place to look at an argument twitter on twitter was like well a guy in a fat student a fat prosthetic student lost to there was another movie that people i guess really wanted it to win colin farrell was like a big favorite Oh, the Banshees of Insurin. Yep. Uh, for his yeah, role in that. I think, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. And so I don't know. I feel like people might have missed the point because, like, you mm-hmm. just once again, just right over your head. But, you know, shout out to Brendan <laughs> Fraser, though. 100%. Hey, he was accepting on behalf of The Mummy Returns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he shouldn't have. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Reward him again for The Mummy. Yep. And then take it away for Curse of the Dragon Prince or whatever that one was. Yeah, I can't even remember the third one. Yeah, maybe that's Uh, how it should be. But then give Uh, it back for George of the Jungle. uh, Yep, yep, yep. There it is. And definitely get it for Airheads because that one was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anything else to say about the Oscars before we pivot into The Last of Us? No, I'm kind of done with award shows, though. I'm I've also, been done with awards. Yeah, we're. I think we're good. I'm, <laughs> I think I'm, we're I'm good right. until next year. I'm all right. Yeah, I am also all right. Um, all right. Anybody who has not seen the season finale of The Last of Us, this is your warning. Uh, we are going to dive into episodes what seven and eight. 
Uh, I mean, eight and nine. Eight and nine. Eight and nine. I I guess seven. I guess technically two. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to dive into those. Uh, So if you haven't seen it, uh, be sure to put a pin in it uh, and we'll come back to it. Gentlemen, what did you all think of the last two episodes of The Last of Us? I think it's preposterous that last episode, Doug did not watch Ah. the actual episodes when he did the review. He just he read the synopsis. Brian, take it away just dropping bombs man wow wow look, look look it was a slow week you were busy i wasn't gonna just remove content that we could discuss on this podcast so yeah i this is how i did it you know what i was gonna read the synopsis okay. and then watch the episode after That's it's okay. not like it took away from the discussion brian did you feel robbed from a good discussion about episodes what was that the one where they find his brother and then no, the one where they did in the not mall? Right. No, I... So that's all that matters. <laughs> hey, I get it. I get it. Like we're we're all we're all busy here. We're all busy. You here. lied to me like a politician. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, sometimes sometimes yeah. you have to you have to lie. And that's yeah, it's a, little, it's a little white lie. <laughs> Look at Brian. Sometimes you gotta lie. It's just is what it is. Uh, but I did watch these last two, and I went back and watched the others. So oh, okay. I am so, all caught up and prepared. So to, I, I guess I want to ask you, Doug, since I mean, because the finale did you did you know what was going to happen thematic, like narrative wise, in the finale? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. Oh, I did. It, okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Because like everybody's reactions to that is about as wild as I thought it was gonna be, and I'm I'm just gonna jump in there because I knew it was gonna be bad. I knew uh-huh. it was gonna be gut wrenching, but um, yeah, making this whole journey, and then you you run into the fireflies, and they're like, anyway, so this child you protected, we're gonna give her fatal surgery. Thanks for all your help, and goodbye. And, well, and- uh, yeah, that was that was intense. And not just that, but like she literally just got done leaving her whole self out there to save your ass. And now it's like you have there's so much more writing on it. Like the don't get me wrong, like the stakes are high, but there's so much higher knowing that like she nursed Joel back to health Mm -hmm. and then defended him Mm -hmm. from this from this terrible group of people. In Colorado, like yes, so it's there's a lot, there's there's so much there that it's. I didn't immediately go like, "Wow, fuck Joel." I kind of went, I kind of went like, "Okay, yeah." I mean, this would be this would be an impossible choice. This yes. would wow. be an impossible choice. <clears throat> Why did anybody say fuck Joel? Because I don't understand that. I mean, the, from some of the reactions that I saw, at least on TikTok. And Twitter, my two favorite social media places right now. I mean, there were people that were like, well, what Joel did was wrong. However, I understand why he did it. And I and I I commented immediately because it's me. <laughs> it, like they got me. The dopamine machine got me. And, you know, and it's just kind of like, hey, so like just so we're all on the same page. Like if you if you have a child, you need to ask them if they want to have fatal brain mm-hmm. surgery to save the world. You at least have to ask the question, I feel like. Because what Joel did was like, oh, you took a child and you're going to rip open her brain. Okay, that's not that's not good, even if there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't phrase it like that, but people people were like, well, yeah, you doomed the whole world. And it's like, it, it's it's the it's the principle of the thing. And I feel like, right, that's the whole point of getting into the weeds of this. Of, 
if you're able to take Ellie and even though it ends her life, you're able to possibly create a cure. Is that, is that the, what you're doing? And people are having a tough time with that more, <laughs> that moral question. Yeah. Brian, I don't, I look, I, I understand what he did. I'm not saying he was right. I'm saying I get it because <laughs> there is this part of me that remembers back to the dialogue at the beginning of the episode where they just got done feeding sure. this giraffe and Joel goes sure. like, you know, we don't even have to find them. Mm-hmm. Like we could just yep. go home. We could live yep. our life. And Ellie says out loud, no, man, like if we don't get there and I don't see this through, yeah, it's all for nothing. And yeah. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. So there's a part of me that's like, okay, was she made aware of the consequences of what was going to happen? We don't know. Cause we didn't Mm-mm. see that portion of it. But there is a part of me that's like, Joel, you just had this conversation. Like you, mm. you just had this I conversation. Mean, okay, here's my here's 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 where I'm at with it though. Do it. Here's the parallels I got from it. First of all, Joel already lost one daughter. Yeah, okay. man. So so if he shot and missed, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean, you know what I mean. They had this whole deep conversation. He had nothing to live for, and he couldn't save his own daughter. Daughter died right in his arms. All right, yep. let's let's start. Let's put a pinpoint there. If I lost one daughter and I just started opening up to another, then I consider her a daughter, call the baby girl, and all this other stuff. You got damn right. I am gonna go in there, guns a blazing, yeah. and killing folks. I, I mean, I, that's I, one. I, yeah, yeah. My my two is here. It's okay. I am not a parent, but that's... from a parental standpoint, at the beginning of the episode, Ellie's mom. Had to oh, protect her mm, when yeah. she could not protect herself. She was just a baby. Ellie was a baby. Cut the umbilical yeah. cord that she lied, lied <laughs> to protect the baby. Sure did. Okay. At the end of the episode, Joe, while she was unconscious and could not protect herself, had to parentally step up and do the damn job because she could not protect herself. Both parental decisions that just parallel throughout the entire. They both at the beginning. Lied to protect Ellie at the end, lied to protect Ellie. Yep. Because Ellie yep. cannot protect herself. I I feel like that's a really good read yeah, that's, on, I mean, the, that's a on good the situation. Point. That's a good uh, point. Real quick call out at the beginning of the finale, Ashley Johnson, who plays yeah, the that. voice of Ellie in the game, was, that. was that woman who gave birth to the that's baby fantastic. Ellie. Um, and that yeah, whole sequence was phenomenal, by the way. And oh, we yeah. all probably figured out how it was going to end, and they still made that compelling. Yeah, that was and Abby, the the lady who voiced Abby was also one of the nurses in the in the scene too. Oh, great call out! Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I found that out afterwards. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, yeah, I uh, I think that's a great read on the, on the whole thing, Marcus. You're right. You there are there are all these people in. In Ellie's life, who feel like she needs protecting, and yeah. at the end of the day, I guess, yeah, for me, I'm. I mean, I'm also. I mean, my my tag is Joel did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is Ellie's choice. She never got a chance to make that choice, though. Mm-hmm. At least based on the text of the show, right? Like we only oh. have Marlene's word to go on, right? right? And, and the other thing is, is that. I think it's a little disingenuous of Marlene to be like, oh, no, thanks for bringing her. Uh, You can go fuck yourself. Like, uh, (laughs) I'm not going to let you see this person that you have a connection with. Mm. So, like, I do think that there is a little sentiment to this to be like, what if you play this out? Like, what if you play this out and say, like, yeah, go see her. 
talk about whatever you want. And what's that conversation? Cause then you can flush it out. If you had just had that moment, could you have avoided so much other, tra- so much more I mean, tragedy after that? Well... And so I do think, I do think this is a, this is an example of like Marlene probably could have played that differently too. True. I will say, yes, there's always another way to, to go about it. The, yeah. My thing about Marlene though, is if I'm giving context, the last time I saw Joe, he ain't want shit to do with Ellie. It would have been easy for him to give her up the that's, last that's time that we point. talked to that's each other. Fair. Because that's he was like, I don't want to do this shit in the first place. She don't right. know all of the shit that y'all just went through. At, at minimum, at bare minimum for me, yes, it's a child. So Marlene should have some type of compassion and empathy to like, this is a child. I was there when, you, right. when your mother died. I was there when this when this shit happened. You, you got to at least have that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. She didn't. She don't know that they spent all this time together defending off a bunch of people, and she done taught them a whole shit. They riding horses, eating raviolis, and pun jokes. <laughs> I mean, doing boggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do the ends justify the means a little bit. First of all, the doctors are dumb as hell. You are going to kill off the <laughs> only person doing I, brain surgery. Yeah, I. Okay. And if they didn't work, then what? I, I just like. I th- and this was my issue with the game too. I understand it's a narrative tool, and the right. point is not to dissect like the biology of the world. I understand the whole point is for us yeah. to talk about the moral imperative. But at the same time, if I'm going <laughs> to get on my high horse, I agree with you, Marcus. You literally have one person in the entire world who who's immune, and you're and like the first thing you do is like, anyway, uh, we're going to take your brain. And thank you. Like you're Again, not gonna like do you didn't blood take tests. A, a blood test, a Nothing. tissue sample, a spinal like, tap. There are so many. I am not even a fucking doctor, <laughs> and I can come up with six things that you should have done first. You know, like, and I understand they could have spent five minutes doing this exhaustive montage, yeah. and it probably yeah. would have slowed the episode did, down. Just didn't work. However, I and I also feel like. To me, it also lends motivations to make you feel more conflicted in part two. And we'll talk Mm. about that at another time, I feel like. Mm. But I feel like it's also that thing that makes you feel even more conflicted when you get to some of the deeper feelings in part two of just kind of like, what are we doing here? And what which way is up? Mm Because I don't know. At at one point in part two, I'm just kind of like I'm underwater and upside down. And I don't know. I don't know what's happening or like how to feel so i know that plays into it too but i agree with you just straight to fatal brain surgery what kind of doctor skip the step a big big (laughs) step step. i mean i I don't know how i felt about the episode only being 45 minutes though um because it did feel it was i mean it was over very quickly Mm -hmm. and this whole season some episodes are longer some episodes are shorter Mm -hmm. just depending on how you want i don't have a problem with that but because i would hate for you to do an episode just to do it to feel yeah, you know, an hour, you know, whatever the case may be, it did feel a little bit rushed at times. Like, I don't disagree. At the beginning, I the pacing was disagree. a little bit. I don't know, but um, but I mean, it, it, this was like perfectly executed season. Yeah, I will also say this. I think that the like the teaser at the beginning, like the recap of all that they've been through, was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. like yeah. it was just like, yeah, you've been. You've been through it. Yeah. Like you've been through it like a lot. So that was yeah. I thought that was very well timed. You've um, seen things. I yeah. do I do want to ask you both one question because one thing that I'm seeing on social media, aka Twitter and TikTok, <laughs> is people saying like we need more, we need more zombies, we need more infected. 
in season <sighs> two. And I have a, do you think that that's something that this show needs in season two or where do you all fall in this line of things? I mean, if you're watching the video cast, I'm already shaking my head. No, I mean, I think yeah. that one of the strengths of this show that we've talked about in previous episodes is that uh -huh. it uses these monsters sparingly mm -hmm. and doing so it uses them effectively to like bridge mm -hmm. that emotional arc. Mm -hmm. It's and again, I go back to Walking Dead. I'm going to beat up on Walking Dead because I can't think yeah. of another show. But down. like, but like Walking Dead, if if here's a great example that I'll repackage. If we're going back to Kansas City, if that was a Walking Dead arc, that would have opened up with the sinkholes and like all of the walkers coming out and the bloater. And it would have been a whole thing, a whole chaos. And we would have learned about the rebellion like in pieces after that big thing. Uh -huh. And it would have just kind of been this arc stretched out until another bloater mm -hmm. attack. Like that's how Walking Dead would have done that. Instead, Last of Us was more like, no, like this stuff is is real bad and we want you to feel bad. Look how bad it is. And then when you realize how bad everything is, that's when we hit you with the bloater. That is when we hit you with child zombies. And it it just cranks everything up to 11. Yep. And it just it, it works way better to grab those emotions rather than just the shock value. Like it's not like a zombie stuck in a well it's it's a legit no. it serves a purpose my uh, question to people that ask that to say that which i think is fair but i think you were miss i think you might have misread this from the beginning of what this show is because fair. in the game you gotta face you you gotta face the monsters in the great game point. because that's part of the game it's yes, part of the that's journey. a great point you're you're you are somebody made a good point on tiktok that i thought was good um when you're in the game, you're playing Joel, but when you're watching Last of Us, yeah. you're a spectator. And it's like, that's why these things feel so different in a game. I think in, when I was watching a gameplay, he had to fight like 50 people out of the hospital. Yes. This one didn't seem like 50 people in the TV show, but, and then there was like the white noise and like, he's just in a blind rage. Yeah. And like, he doesn't hear shit. He doesn't see anything. Um, mm. So for me, it's like, this show is not about the zombies. It's not about the like the apocalypse is what triggers the actual emotional anchor of the show, which is how are we as survivors surviving and how much yes. has this world changed knowing we have this extra added anomaly that we never saw coming. That is what the show is about. It's not about the monsters are just like a little and here's the sprinkles on top of the sun. Right, right, right. It's 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 heightened tension because right. this what this show has done is this show does. Hey, every institution that you think that you would rely on in times of crisis yeah. is going to fuck you. Don't, and it's yes. not going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Religion. Look at the last episode. Yep. The, the ones before yeah. that. Look Ooh. at look at look at the government agencies, even the people who are out. Even to, the rebellion. Yeah, I was going to say the rebels to too. Do the right thing yeah. are doing something wrong to achieve mm -hmm. it. And so I think what this does Sheesh. is it, it it really plays with this idea of like every piece that you would tend to rely on every there is danger yeah. at every turn. And just when you think you're safe and you let your guard down is when you find that you are really, truly unsafe. And then on top of that, when you escape those institutions to try to find the next thing that might save you, there's something else you have to avoid. Mm -hmm. So right. there's just there's no break from the dangers when the entirety it's almost like saying like hey society might be shitty 
but you really kind of need it. Yeah. And here, the other thing is like, that is such a great breakdown, Doug. That, and, that's and like, phenomenal. Yeah. For somebody the, who had to read a goddamn synopsis <laughs> and then watch it later. Kudos to you, motherfucker. Last time I checked, kudos. I don't oh need to watch it. I can read a synopsis. And Says the guy and who runs a podcast. That'll, that'll do it for me. Yeah, okay. I am out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and stay tuned for Marcus telling me about Creed 3. <laughs> but the, other, the only other thing I wanted to add was, you know, I think people think scary only comes from the monstrous jump scares or that fear Ooh, or that yeah, nightmares yeah, yeah. or yep. that the biggest monster is the one with cordyceps on his head. Yep. And the biggest monster is actually the institutions that fail you, the people that betray you, the love that dies. It's like, there's so many other things that people are just fucking missing throughout the narrative of the show, because you're waiting yeah. for this big, ugly thing to be the monster. But in right. actuality, the big, ugly thing sometimes is inside of you. Or it's you something know, that you don't even have to worry about. Like right. that's such an awesome breakdown of that. And, that's a great point. And I think I, I also feel like if if you feel like you need more monsters, go play go play the game. Right. Because I because right. the game right. has hundreds of them. Yeah. There are there are so many. One killed me at least two dozen times trying to get out of building. I promise. Sneaking you, around games. Man. In the Those game, if you didn't get enough in the show, or go watch a live stream of mm -hmm. somebody playing it because there's. A whole lot of it. Um, the one thing I did want to say, the, the show also shows us that, like, the only safe places are, like, with animals, kind of, and yeah. then, like, rural communities. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I don't know the best way to describe it, but it's like, oh, there's a giraffe here. Everybody's safe. Take a breath. Oh, there's, like, a deer here. It's true. Take a breath. It's true. You're, you're safe until you run to the cult people who are trying to take your deer. But point being, like, it's it i enjoy how this show is trying to to show that so you're safe with yeah. rural communists and animals in last of us that well, you go find that if you're stuck in that world and, I, and i'm gonna pull a quote from creed 3 to, to kind of talk a little Look bit at about this, this transition which is that there's a line from creed 3 where somebody says like they've shown you who they are believe them yep. and i think yes. that there's there's a lot of this throughout this whole show where that same quote applies. It's you run into people in the middle of nowhere, living mm -hmm. off of each other and just operating with mutual trust. Yep. That's trust. Believe it. Mm -hmm. But then you go somewhere here and it's like, okay, there's a power structure. Okay. That means there's a power structure and there's yeah. something inherent to be yeah. reticent about like people are going to show you who they are in these times of crisis. Believe that that's who they are in times of crisis. Because if they're like that when the gloves are off and the and the damp like there's no governor yeah. to keep yeah. you within the speed yeah. limit, think what about happens when they... survival's on the line. Right. Yeah. 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 Damn. About... This is probably the best review the listeners have ever gotten in their life I... of The Last of Us. That's the best review I've heard. Yeah. I, I would say so. Just I, I think that's a great place to to wrap it up, and I can't I can't Dude. wait for us to revisit what part two or season two looks like. And yeah, man. man, so they are going to expand. They're expanding Last of Us the game too. First of all, they said it's going to be significantly different than the game. That's what the yes. director mm -hmm. said. Then they said it's going to take over a couple seasons. They're going to split part two into. Yep. like multiple seasons. Yep. What is the limit before this turns into Walking Dead and it becomes there's a drop off in viewership? I, I think I'll go ahead, Doug. I was just going to ask a question. Is that how the game ends? 
The, like is 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 the yes. season finale how the first game ends? I never made it that far. Like, basic. I mean, essentially, except for the piece where Ellie's like, "You got to tell me like what happened." Like, okay. like that kind of plays out differently. It's mainly in the car though. But like, okay. that's that's basically how it plays out. Got it. Okay. Um, I, I think I think they know that they have a gem on their hands, and mm. I feel like HBO has learned the lesson of like Game of Thrones of like mm-hmm. we could want more, we could want more, mm-hmm. but the showrunners are going to burn out. Like we can't, yeah. we can't necessarily like. And and I think you see it with Succession too. Uh, not to oh. bring in one of my favorite shows 100%. currently, but like Succession is one of their banger premiere titles, and it's going to be ending, and they're only ten episode seasons, like. Mm. It's going to be done, and and it could have turned into this like 10-season soap opera, which everybody would have hated, but they would have kept going. So I feel like HBO's learned their lesson. You know, HBO, though. I I agree, and it'll be something they'll point to. So I think with Last of Us, they're like, okay, we can do this like for two more seasons, and Mm -hmm. then we can end on a good note. And that's my assumption. I don't think they've released any information of how many seasons they're going to do, but if I were them, I would do two seasons. Also, like, for people that don't know, Last of Us Two is like a lot. It's a really it's long, a long story. It's a lot. Even um, game wise, it it was long to get because it's and, almost the game itself is split into two different journeys. Yes. Finding, then there's like the other back end of things. Yes. I don't want to spoil yeah. it for anybody. But right. Yeah. Well, I think I can safely say that there is a mechanic in the game where it's like you play through the events of three days, and then you're like, "Wow, that was a really tough three days." And there's literally a title card that's like day zero and you you basically you start God damn at the beginning of the story mm-hmm. with some other stuff going on and you're like i wow. have to excuse me i have to <laughs> i have to do, i just went through hell and you're telling me i have to play these three days again with these parameters like what yeah. So I think there's some really fun stuff they could do with that. And if you're ever curious, if those listening are ever curious about what it takes to be a showrunner, I do recommend it's the uh, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast because they they are all the showrunner runners for that show. So they take what goes into a 30 minute comedy. So imagine now oh. an hour long zombie apocalypse written zombie <laughs> like dra- drama like with yeah. a much higher production budget. Not to shit on that show. It's my favorite, one of my favorite shows. But just imagine, like, t- take it, multiply it by two, and then add well, in, like, a bunch extra dollars. I mean, It's Always Sunny doesn't have to work with, like, a huge effects oh, budget. Usually, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't have um, to work with Which totally complicates stakes. things because then oh, you got to find out how to get a giraffe on set and everything like that. Yeah. Real giraffe. Fun facts. Uh, gentlemen, anything else about uh, Last of Us? I feel better about the ending of this season talking to you you all about it because I finished this like in the middle of the night last night and I was like, I feel like crap. <laughs> and I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Seeing it coming is the, it's like watching a car wreck. It's like, ooh, it is. Wow. Even, even with my, the stain on my reputation and name, I am happy we were able to break, to break this down. Um, but, but as Marcus mentioned at the beginning of the show, we did get out and see Creed 3. Creed, uh, Creed so 3. We're going to talk about it. Uh, Let's Marcus, do it. Marcus. Creed 3. Ooh, Creed 3. Um, Marcus, do you want to do the barbershop summary? 
Oh yeah, I can. I can. I can. First off, here's the other thing. I thought Marcus was gonna punch me throughout the majority of this. Movie. I love this movie. This I thought. I thought he was gonna be like, I want to fight, and I, I was like, Oh God! I like, did want to fight. I did want to fight. I stood. I stood up out of my seat. And was really? like Rocky Balboa it. I stood out of my seat like for the hyper scenes. I was so fucking excited, man. So fucking excited. That's okay. Um, That's awesome. so uh, Dougie Fresh and I went to Sioux City, um, Ooh. and we, you know, our typical spot. And so we saw Creed. So for those that don't know, Creed Adonis Creed, um, or Adonis Johnson before he was founded. I'll just give you all a quick overview and synopsis. Do it. Um, Creed had. A child out of a child out of wedlock. I, that, there's a much better way to say that. But he had a child infidelity. You know, he had a, a, a child bastard child. Whatever you want to call it. There's better ways yeah. to say these things. Yeah. He had a kid. He, he had he a had kid. A, he, he had, had another whoop. kid outside of his marriage. He was picking up some strange and had a whoopsie. Yep. <laughs> See, just trust yourself. You said it the best way. What I, I said it was the worst way to say Slapping it. beef and make a whoopsie is just, that's crazy. Um, Okay, so he had a kid, right, Um, outside of his marriage. And we all know Creed dies after fighting uh, Drago at the, and in one of the Rocky movies, right? So Creed, Adonis Creed wants to be a boxer, wants to be a fighter. His mom comes and uh, Creed's wife comes and saves him from the, um, from the, uh, the, uh, but it's, it's not a, it's a not a jail, but it's a um, group home group home. Thank you. Saved from the group home, adopted him. He had a really nice, successful life, went to college, went to school. He had a nice job in financials and he quit his job in the first one. He became a boxer. He went on to go uh, meet Rocky. Rocky Balboa coached him up. Look, you know, they did all this whole thing. And then he went and boxed the greatest boxer in the world. Rick, pretty Ricky Conlon. Um, that was the first one. And he met his wife, uh, Bianca. They were dating and all that other stuff. They had a good, happy ending. Then he go to the second one. He marries Bianca. He also fights Drago because uh, it's like the big payback for when his dad died. He fights Drago, wins beats Drago um, and then you know Rocky Balboa is also in this one so it brings you to Creed 3 where we kind of time fast forward significantly and it starts you off with his ultimate battle okay his because he's retiring and he's in South Africa mm. and you know you have all the thing and you have this flashback of Adonis Creed and Dame and Diamond Dame is what I call him which Jonathan Majors character plays him right mm -hmm. um, and they are the kids Diamond Dame Jonathan Majors is a phenomenal boxer as a kid they get into mm -hmm. the Adonis has always had a problem with his anger he's fighting they he sees the guy that used to abuse him as a kid Excuse me. See the guy that used to abuse him as a kid, and he beats the shit out of him outside of a like a like a store. Uh, yeah. And so he's Ooh. like, "Oh, I'm not so little now." Fights him, beats him up, and this is when they were younger. And then Jonathan Major's character pulls a gun, but he had some other um, priors priors beforehand, oh. and so he gets arrested. Adonis Creed runs. So um, they go on. Adonis becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. He beats Pretty Ricky Conlon again. He goes to retire to coach up the next generation of a boxer. He has the next champ, um, Chavez, which is like supposed to be this really nice uh, boxer. And before the fight, he's supposed to fight. Dra Chavez is supposed to fight Drago. Drago gets his hand broken. Okay, Jonathan Major says, I want he comes out of jail, finds Adonis Creed, and he's like, I want a chance at the fucking title. Like, I want to be a big dog. I've lost mm -hmm. a lot of time. I want to be the big dog next. He said, I can't just put you in that position until Drago breaks his hand. And he said, Well, I, he feels so guilty and responsible. He puts him on. That starts this whole thing because Jonathan Majors ends up whooping Chavez's ass and becomes a champion out of nowhere without being ever Jeez. a pro again and just gets the fucking belt. 
Yep. And so after that, you have this battle between Adonis feeling guilty and holding all of these things in. There's a big moment in the in the uh, movie where his mom dies. Um, and so Adonis has to deal with that. He has to deal with all these things that are going on. He's trying to be a good dad. He's trying to be retired. He comes out of retirement to beat um, Jonathan Majors ass because Jonathan Majors is telling him he's a traitor. He's a coward. He's all of these other things. And so he challenges him in the boxing ring. And that's kind of Creed. Three. Oh. Creed one, two, and three. Actually, yeah, I was gonna say you did a barbershop summary for the trilogy. For the I, trilogy, I, I, for those that, for those that, because I, I, I'll start it off by saying I think that what three does well before Doug gets into like characters and like the yeah. money and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. Creed is a full circle movie. I think it's like a nice. I, to me, Creed is my favorite movie, hands down. I could watch. I watched one and two twice this weekend, um, and then this particular soundtrack is produced by my favorite rapper and his label j cole and dreamville for this movie soundtrack so for me this is the perfect movie and this is the perfect trilogy because it it ties in all of those characters from the previous movies and brings them into the third to kind of give it like a if we do a third if we do a fourth one we do a fourth one but if it ends here it ends here indeed indeed yeah it definitely lets you kind of go like you can do it if you want to but you don't have to but you don't Um, yeah. So cast real quick. Uh, Michael B. Jordan plays Adonis Creed. Tessa Thompson plays Bianca Creed. Jonathan Majors plays Damian Anderson. Wood Harris plays Tony Little Duke Burton. Felicia Rashad plays Marianne Creed. Uh, Mila Davis Kent plays uh, Adonis and Bianca's daughter, Amara Creed. Um, and then really those are kind of the big ones. Uh, some other ones that are in here that are important that I think I want to highlight Thaddeus J. Mixon and Spencer Moore. They played Adonis Creed and Damian Anderson at 15 and 18. And they were really like, they look like spot on spitting images from these other two. um, When it comes to uh, when it comes to like their younger selves. Mm -hmm. So um, currently Creed three hit the, the domestic box office is close to $150 million. I'm getting that wow. from Collider. Um, and that's as of today. Um, and so doing pretty well box office wise. Um, but all in all, that is the movie. I think uh, I'm I did want... not realize this was directed by Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, too? This was his directorial mm. debut. And holy yeah. buckets. Yeah. Yep. And I have, I have, I have thoughts on that. Um, wow. I, I yeah. have thoughts on that. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention is that it's important to question like it's important to question social media because there was a video circling round of Sylvester Stallone saying, like, I'm never going to watch Creed three. This motherfucker produced it he like produced, he was he a producer produce, yeah. on this. So and Ryan Coogler if, and the whole you, Coogler family. If you, yeah, yeah, the whole Coogler clan was in this. So I, I will say, like, question where you get some of your information mm-hmm. every now and again, because more than likely. It's it's not accurate. And it wasn't. And he said he wouldn't watch Creed 3 because the rights to Rocky were stolen, were taken from him from the I forgot what the guy's name is. And so Rock Sylvester Stallone hates that guy, loves Michael B. Jordan, has no problem with Creed. He just. Yeah. 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 There's some other things going on. So do your homework and do a little bit of get digging before you get into it. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean. The first thing I'm going to say is, is that the dynamic between Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors was right. incredible. Mm-hmm. Like they did oh, such man. a great job of 
villains, like enemies, like frenemies. Mm -hmm. Like they did such a good job of seeing their relationship on a spectrum um, that I thought that was such a highlight for me to see the two of them act next to one another because Jonathan Majors is a phenomenal actor. And I think we really got to see Michael B. Jordan act as well in this, which is good. And so the fact that they were working alongside one another was a treat that I was excited to see. I agree. I, um, one of, I was going to say one of the same things when it comes to casting an antagonist that not just in build is very different from Michael B. Jordan, but in, in style and in how Mm -hmm. they go about it and in execution, there's a reason why. Okay. So I never saw Lovecraft country. Okay. Oh Um, yeah. So my first introduction to Jonathan majors may have been Jesus. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp, if I'm being honest. Um, he, he was in something else that I watched, but I don't know what it was. I couldn't yeah, tell you. I'm taking a look now because I feel like he was in something small Maybe. that I saw before. I know there's Black Man in, in San MCU. Francisco or something. Oh, never yes. mind. It last, was the, the Five Bloods. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah, and the Five Bloods. He was in the Five Bloods too as well. So, so I lied. I take that That's back. what it was. Five Bloods. That was, yep. And that's a good movie too. Um, it, yes. Jonathan, to, to cast somebody who is like solar opposites, and I really think he complimented the story and Michael. He he kind of like, to me, challenged Michael B. Jordan to step mm-hmm. up his acting and execution. Because 100%. I never thought Michael B. Jordan was a bad actor. Like, I think he no. just needs the moments to step into. When you're in movies with Sylvester Stallone and you're like, um, I'm not second fiddle, but like you're in these movies with other big names like Chadwick Boseman or Sylvester right. Stallone, it, it's not necessarily about you. Like, you know how to execute, obviously, because you were good at Killmonger and you were good at Kree Adonis Green. You're good in these roles that I've seen you in. Right. But this one seemed like he had somebody um, across from him that challenged him in his I acting and made that. him, like, elevate a little bit more. And yeah, Tessa I, Thompson. Like, that also is, like, man, another challenge. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot to be said there. And I think that's the other thing is like, I think, I think the movies where Michael B. Jordan is at his best is when he has someone who has to, who's able to challenge him in that style where he gets forgotten is times where no one rises and pushes him to that emotional point. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think that that's a fan that I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, Um, I got to give props to before we lose it. I'm interested to see if Brian has any questions. Um, but the directorial debut, I yeah. really yeah. have to give props to Michael B. Jordan because, you know, I've been watching all these interviews beforehand, but I didn't, I was like, obviously TikTok posts all of the spoilers in the world mm-hmm. when it comes to movies. Oh um, my gosh. No mercy there. Yeah. No mercy. Yeah. There's no warning. There's no nothing over there. And yeah. so it's, it's, it was kind of hard to dodge the movie for two weeks since it came out. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he talks about his directing style. You hear from Jonathan Majors and they seem like they're really friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you direct Tessa Thompson and Jonathan Majors just to start as friends, um, yeah. you know, that has to be a challenge because you have to execute your vision, play your role, and then also not be an asshole in how you execute said yep. like directorial debut. Right. And mm-hmm. they have had, they have had nothing but good things to say about Michael B. Jordan and his direction and being a director. And I'm kind of excited to see him step into this more. I don't know what I was expecting from a directorial debut from him, but I just learned in this moment that he directed this. So you didn't know that 
I did not know yeah. that going I, in. So I mean, like when I was looking up all the info, I was like, "Am I reading this right?" Like mm-hmm. that's. Yeah. I mean, that's huge to finish off a trilogy and direct it. I, I mean, that's that's a lot. That and is to a make lot. the money that you're like to successfully pull it off. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, it's like you know, it's not like this is a movie that's a dialogue heavy piece. Like mm-hmm. there are action sequences that are you behind a camera boxing somebody else which means you trusted and knew how to communicate to your director of photography like this is what i want you Mm -hmm. to do and in a way in which that it was understood and appreciated so i think i think that there's also something there to be said for you must be a one hell of a communicator too to be able to say hey this is this is how i want it to feel this is what i want you to do with it um because i think there's something there too and yeah it's just I feel like Michael B. Jordan gets a bad rap. I don't, I don't know why I'm going to put my cape on for Michael B. Jordan, but I feel like well, people may not take him serious because of he's this handsome guy that just plays handsome roles. But to me, I don't know. I've, I've always been a fan of Michael B. Jordan since The Wire. So I don't know yeah. what changed and why people were kind of sleeping on him or didn't know what to expect. Now, I've kind of said the same thing about the Black Superman movie that was coming out and Static mm-hmm. Shock and him directing. Yep. Didn't know how I felt about that, but now I feel a lot better because – I, I like his directing style from this movie. Yeah. I think it's because he did so many. I think this is like he's a victim of circumstance because he did so many TV shows before he finally debuted in a movie, which was when and he finally did it in Red Tails. Mm-hmm. But then he takes some time yeah. off and he does Fruitville Station. And then he mm-hmm. does. I also think he is boxing his own demons a little bit with Fantastic Four. I think he's yeah, <laughs> yeah. for better or for worse. And again, Man that's not sick. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of that too. I forgot about that movie. But then remember he does Just Mercy. Like yeah, I think that I like that's, that that was this his turning point where I think he was able to really like Creed and Creed 2 had come out at that point in time and I think Just Mercy was like a no he's an actor. Like yeah. he's he's more than just like a pretty face. Like he's well, he's good at this. And and I think I think you look at his filmography and I think Fruitville Station is is something that is really personal. I think it it was definitely in the awards conversation. Mm-hmm. So to make to have that be one of your first feature films. Also, he did Chronicle, which got I a like lot Chronicle. of critical acclaim. I mm-hmm. think he did a really good job choosing these maybe not super splashy projects, but like these are good quality yeah. projects. Mm-hmm um i mean you're again you're looking at chronicle you're looking at fruitville station you're looking at um <laughs> you're looking at creed like i, I mm-hmm. mean that's an the only movie in between there is fan fantastic and of course you're going to take that uh mm-hmm. you didn't know it was going to turn out the way it was going to turn out mm, that had um, nothing to do with him exactly I do, I do think a good director challenges him because ryan coogler they have a connection it made so much sense when i saw ryan coogler's name on the back end of this yeah because mm-hmm. They have a different type of connection since yeah. Fruitville Station. You go Fruitville Station, which I think Ryan Coogler directed, and then you go um, Black Panther one yeah. and two, and then you yeah. go to Creed one. There's a different director for Creed two, and then you go Creed three. You bring back all of the Cooglers. Like you understand writing a full story, and that's impressive to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did Fruitville Station. Yeah. I love, you, I, I, I love Creed, man. I, I yeah. just, I don't know. I don't know if Brian has any questions because I don't want to exclude you he, from the conversation. He, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's all here's good. Other, Go ahead. He, here's the other thing that I think I'm going to give this movie a little bit more praise in the sense of being different. Like mm-hmm. your typical boxing story is right. going to be underdog 
gets recognized, gets their shot, fails, is lucky enough to get another shot, is champion. Like that's 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 the general arc yep. of most of these, yep. right? Or it's gets their shot and then dynamic between good versus bad. Look at Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe. That is sure. hard every day, every boy, every man. Like the guy who is everybody's rooting for him, he makes it to the top, and then it's like the like super been in it, just working hard, working class versus high society. Like that's what that movie is. This movie takes it from such a different perspective that I really appreciated of like kind of saying like the the choices and actions you have and that what level of responsibility there is in those, which I think is also which is great. And then the action sequences, like there's always going to be slow motion shots in boxing movies. This movie did something really, truly incredible. And I, and that is the end sequence, like the end fight takes this moment of like fighting your past and working through your own demons by a series of sequences where the crowd is removed. There is nobody else, but the people in the center of the ring, there are, a jail cell that pops up to symbolize what happened to diamond Dame. There is sirens. I think even at some points there's flashes of them as kids. I need to rewatch. I said that to Marcus as we were leaving. I was like, there's even flashes of them as like kids boxing each other. Like there's that, uh, like that level of like storytelling and sequencing with this particular like type of movie was so, so different and such a breath of fresh air to this particular type of genre. Because otherwise, if you had done, I think if you had done the same old shit, like when it, came, <laughs> when it comes to like the boxing sequences, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. I would have mm-hmm. been like, great, predictable storyline. Like, not a predictable storyline, but no predictable. A little you, bit of yeah. a, a, a little of a, a little formulaic. You took some, in, you took some interpretations, like the fall from grace. In this one, it's it's usually in in most sports movies, the main protagonist runs his mouth and right. has, has to get like they lose a game or in a boxing movie gets his ass whooped. And in this one, it's like his mom dies because he decided to pop off. 10 minutes later, his mom dies to kind of draw that connection a little mm-hmm. bit, but that the innovation with some of the other side of that was just so well done. And so that's well awesome. Executed, um, that that's that end sequence is worth is, is worth a watch in and of itself. And it's the anime references. Like Michael B. Jordan has always talked about how he loves anime. Yes. And he incorporated Dragon Ball Z, Naruto. All Did he them. really? Oh yeah, like you can oh, tell yeah. by the way that he the way that he does is there are sequences where they zoom into each other's eyes, just like Dragon Ball Z. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Eye. There's yep. a sweat. You can see he even does the Dragon Ball Z punch that um, Frieza gets in the gut. Uh, it's uh. it's like it's like shot for shot. He put that in this movie, and yeah. I enjoyed that for you to just that's say, "Awesome! How can I make this look good without making it look like corny well, or cheesy?" And I yeah. feel like that this is like the distinction when we're talking about these, like not necessarily boxing movies, but like these movies or these stories that we've seen time and time again. Cause like, I feel like Rocky was like, you could say raging bulls, a blueprint, but I mean, I feel like Rocky's the most well-known like, Oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's a boxing movie. It's like Rocky. Right. Like, and I feel like that's where people like kind of do the shortcut. And I, the thing that I really like about at least Creed one and two and, and from hearing about three is that it is really trying to like go out on a limb with some of these like stylistic differences and just, just having the confidence to do those. Cause like, that sounds rad as hell. Like that differentiates itself. Yeah. Every other boxing movie I've ever heard of. I want to see that, you know? Well, yeah. 
And I think the other thing is, is like, and this is not me undercutting the storyline at all. So I hope nobody takes it that way. But I think the other side of this is that this movie says like, what if you came to the movie to watch a really well executed stylized fight? Because sure. Brian, even to your point, Raging Bull is not a good movie because the fight sequences are all that impressive. Raging right. Bull is like a, this man is broken. Like yes. it is, this, that is a yes. character piece on an, alcoholic narcissist and what happens when they lose in the ring and how that bleeds over and affects people in their inner circle. Mm -hmm. Sure. This movie sure. is you really wanted to see like some fight sequences and you really wanted to feel every punch and yeah. be along with your protagonist as they're taking it because you're not just rooting for Adonis. You're almost kind of like rooting for yourself a little mm -hmm. bit of like, okay, you are very easily able to take yourself and say like, no, get up. I want to get up. And you right. kind of feel that moment where like, I mean, Marcus literally did get up. So again, yeah. that's not that's not like just Marcus. I think that's the intended result of the way yeah. in which it was shot mm -hmm. and it was executed. And the and the story. Because the story is about you feeling guilty about some shit that really in the end we found out you shouldn't have blamed yourself for. And somebody being mad and upset with you about some shit that they really didn't sure. have any reason to blame and upset you because you were young and dumb and both of y'all were young and dumb. And right. you feel so guilty. You put people into positions that they shouldn't be in. And then what right. happens when they get yeah. into these positions and they turn it on its head and you feel responsible for not taking care of the person you're supposed to take care of him, mm -hmm. not knowing how to communicate outside. He knows how to fight. Yeah. Adonis knows how to fight. That's not the question. His daughter is also like mimicking and growing up she likes to fight and also mm -hmm. before i go even further the asl representation throughout the movie his daughter yeah. cannot is is his daughter is is um oh, what is the proper term um hearing impaired he, i think it's hearing i think it's here i gotta if, if that's wrong anybody can correct me Please. um but um she wears two hearing aids they use and and she uses sign language through amara uses sign language throughout the movie everybody knew sign language uh, John, yeah. Jonathan, uh, uh, they Michael learned Jordan, it. Tessa uh, Thompson, the actress Myla Davis Kent identifies as deaf. So okay, that okay. is that thank is what I'm seeing here. Thank you, um, thank you for checking that, Brian. No worries. Uh, so, the, everybody learned sign language. They're signing through the movie, and when they're signing through the movie, there are silent scenes where they are only signing with the subtitles. And to me, that said a lot. So I really enjoyed that representation too. And to take it a step further, they didn't just sign because they could have learned sign language and, mm -hmm. and, and done it. They emoted yes. like that. They had had to yes. learn that this is the way in which they communicated. Sure. What was impressive for me was not just that they learned ASL, but that they even um, Michael B. Jordan and even Tessa Thompson, they emoted with their face. Mm -hmm. Like they spoke with their whole body. Right. Which is what you're taught to Which do. Which is what you're taught to do. Right. So that was so like they went above and beyond. They're like, if mm -hmm. we're gonna speak this way and we're yeah. gonna convey our lines this way, we're gonna do it the right way. And Even I the way that, that the beautiful. house, the way that the house is set up, the doorbell mm -hmm. goes off. There's a light because obviously right. Amara can't hear it. The stairwell. Yep. There is. It's a clear stairwell so that they can see up and sign to oh. their daughter. Like. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just well thought out things that are just mm -hmm. like this movie kind of sets itself apart. And it talks yeah. about the growth of Adonis as a person to be in this place. And Tessa Thompson is also just fucking incredible. And yeah. the questions and fucking Jonathan Majors, the, the blackest thing I saw him do. He is like he embodied 
and dude from LA. He embodied a person from LA listening to Nipsey Hustle. He talks <laughs> like him. He talk, he he's <laughs> speaking, he walks like a LA dude. But the thing that got me the most that really was like, yep, I'm sold on this movie. He's at this Oscar party or Grammy party or what label party is what they called it. Yeah. For because Tessa Thompson, she is also um, she has a um, hearing disability. No, mm-hmm. not nice, not disability. She is hard of hearing and it's okay. something that you can inherit. Right. So she yep. was a musician genetic, and it's genetic. She lost her hearing and couldn't make music. So now she produces for other artists now and like won a lot of gold Grammys and go like gold records and stuff. What I, what got me was they were at this Oscar release party and he and Adonis is telling me like, why are you just standing around? You know, like you need to be getting on something out here. You need to be this motherfucker. Jonathan Majors pulls out a double sided brush and begins brushing his hair. He in the party. I my, love it. My favorite part. I wish and this sounds odd. I wish I could watch more movies like this with Marcus because Marcus out loud goes, that's the blackest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Like, because it, it's it's like one of those things that you're taught not to do at school when you like when I go to like, oh, yeah. the schools that I go to, like the schools I grew up sure. in. You don't you don't sag your pants. You don't want to don't let them oh. perceive you like how you want to see you don't sag your pants because you know what sagging is backwards. Just think of that to yourself. And so like you go and you brush your hair and um you you don't brush your hair in public spaces and all that other stuff. But that was to me he and he listened to, Nip- to Nipsey Hustle on his walkout. That right. is incredible to me twice to embody that. That's he had awesome. two different Nipsey Hustle songs as his walkout. And by the way, because he's a dude, was... from, he's a dude from jail that don't know like flashy yeah. songs and interests. Right. He knows what he knows, and he's hustling like Nipsey Hustle. And also, Nipsey Hustle was the theme in this week's Home Office. So far, it was all Nipsey Hustle all the time in Doug's well, office today. There you go. Oh, I love it. Thank, I love it. thank God Dedication. nobody nobody worked from home. Dedication um, three, Ocean Breeze. I love Nipsey Hustle, man. Rest yeah. in peace, to Nipsey Hustle. One hundred percent. Um. I just again this this movie was just such a it was just so well done. I don't I mean I have a couple of like tiny itsy bitsy little critiques sure. and they're not new. One of the critiques is and again I didn't watch Creed 2. I just went in from 1 to 3 so I don't have any context. Um uh so one thing I've said is like I wish we would have gotten more of Tessa Thompson in this. Because you can always have more Tessa Thompson. Right, one, you can always have more Tessa Thompson, and two, there are moments where Dame calls her out, and it does feel like she says something and then backs off and then isn't in the scene. Now, this movie's already has like a lot of runtime of like two hours, ten minutes. It was longer, um, and so that would have been hard to work in naturally without feeling like you're trying to tell two people's story. So I get why it wasn't there me selfishly wanted more Tessa Thompson to be like to have her involved in some of the motivation a little bit more because it did feel very much like she was I'm playing supportive wife in this and that's right but here's where I will disagree which is fine these movies is about Adonis and it is about his family once he retires but um, Bianca has always been that from the beginning, knowing what she signed up for. It's not like Adrian in the Rocky movies where she just was not really a, the biggest fan of Rocky boxing and like she saw how dangerous as she was to me. Right. That's how I perceive it. No, that's absolutely what it is. Um, but Bianca from the beginning 
was like when he is struggling in the crowd, she's front row at every game. And you saw the thing that got him up off his ass when Dame knocked him down the first time. It was going to the crowd. And Tessa Thompson, all you can hear is all Adonis hears is her voice say, get up, D. And he wakes up like a fucking madman and he keeps fighting. To me, it's like I, I could have done more with Tessa Thompson, but I feel like you would need to give her her own spinoff of a movie to understand the struggles with the hearing thing. Like they gave, I feel like they gave her a lot of personal things to develop her character that you can't really develop as a third lead. Yeah. And that, and that's, and that's where I'm coming at it of like, Hey, then, then maybe don't introduce them. Like, because (laughs) I like it though. I like it, but I don't like, I need it to be, I, I want to see, cause for me here, here's where I have a hard time with this is that, being someone who watched wrestling growing up, I know what it's like in contact sports to have a spouse and a family in the crowd. They cannot sit there idly by and watch. Listen, mm-hmm. listen to Mick Foley give interviews about the one time his oh. wife and kids were in the audience. He goes, they thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go up to them after with a bloody shirt after having the dog shit beat out of me and say, daddy's okay. There is no way a daughter and a wife can sit by and watch your dumbass get beat up and down for 12 rounds. They just, there's simply no, I, I cannot believe that you are that comfortable with that decision. Well, they did leave, right? So when they saw the first fight with Don, with Dame, she tells him, Donnie, I can't keep, I can't keep her in here. I, right. I have to take her. Yeah. The daughter then, is already, but that's watching. not your dad in the ring. And then, but when it is the dad in the ring, that's they're there, the whole but time. your dad's a winner, and I think that that's the other piece that is being forgotten is that so your dad is win- one. So if it's so if they're a winner, it's totally fine. Well, but if they they're not, gonna well, lose. Fuck no, them, if out. they're a winner, they're not used to they're not used to seeing their father like that. Fair, fair point. And so it's not that it's just he was a heavyweight champ. He and again beat, he, he just pound for pound best boxer is what he was. And again, again. All of these movies ask you to suspend a little bit of belief. Yeah, like they yeah. ask you to di- like, don't your brain is going to want to tell you you would walk out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Just put that to the side because <laughs> this is not because that's yeah. I, you, Marcus, you and I talked about it. the other side of this that we, we thought that was kind of like we laughed a little bit about it afterward is that there's this moment where a picture gets released that the guy who breaks Drago's hand was friends with Dame in prison. And so I said, so he set it up. And so I said, I said, there's no way in this day and age that that wouldn't be all over headline news mm-hmm. within 36 hours mm-hmm. of that incident. Oh, no, there'd because be like whole YouTube podcasts there, oh, devoted to conspiracy yeah. theories. Yep, and they would have interviews on CNN because it would have been really popular. First take, like there would have been people all over ESPN. Oh, ESPN like, would have made a 30 for 30. Oh, they yeah, would have made, would, they, it would have been a whole thing. So again, this movie does ask you to suspend a little bit of belief and logic in order to really keep up line with the premise. So I, that again, that is a very, this is me being nitpicky on a fantastic movie. So I'm not. Yeah. I just, but I love Bianca and Adonis relationship. And that's why I'm getting defensive because it's a working black relationship. Again. When they had problems, they it wasn't like I'm gonna go stay with my mom. It was like right. Adonis, mm-hmm. you need to talk to somebody. He's telling her, I don't need a fucking therapist right now. And then he loses his mom, and then he realizes, oh shit, I'm running out of family. And yeah. he doesn't have anybody else. 
except for uh, except for Bianca, who right. understands him. She knows him like the back of her fucking hand and is saying, whenever you're ready to talk, your daughter can't see you like this. Whenever you're ready to talk, you let me know. You come holler at me. And when he said there's only one way to shut Dame up, she said, then you got to do what you got to do. She's always been like that, though. That's Bianca fair, yeah. has always been like that over the span of three movies of like, if you're going to beat his ass, then you better win. Like that, she said that in the second one. Like, <laughs> if you're going to get in there, you better yeah. win. Yep. So like, to me, I love their relationship because it's a working black communicating relationship. And that's, that's something that you don't see. I don't see like often. I mean, arguably Rocky demonstrates a relationship where there is more trauma because Adrian does leave him to go yeah. stay somewhere else and yeah. bring kid with. And, and Rocky's it, a terrible dad. And <laughs> insert Rocky four and five. I mean, it, well, yeah. which he redeems himself in Creed two, right? He becomes at the end of Creed two, he goes right. and sees his son. But, well, right. I, I just feel like that's so important because I feel like a lot of like, not that like TV and movies are responsible for how everybody like views relationships, but you know the audience this is going to attract. And I think, yep. I think it's good that there is at least a visual representation of like no like in relationships it's not always good and in relationships you have to work out hard stuff and sometimes that's hey if this is something you got to do you go do it like you you, you you better go take care of it but no i'm this is how i feel and this is where it's gonna end and i feel like people need to see mm -hmm. people working through that hard stuff i think that's important and and really quick i want to push back on that a little bit it's not you better fucking win. It is you do what you need to do and win, lose, or draw. I'm still here. Well, in this case, she's like, because he's a boxer, yeah. you can't say win, lose, or draw. I'm thinking from a perspective of an athlete, not just a wife supporting a husband. That's, right. that's fair. You. But yeah, I want to like, make sure that that is, that's very clear that like that, that might be something that exclusively applies to sports movies because I think oh, yeah. the allegory like relationship-wise is like, yeah, I, you better win, and that's great for like a movie that about like sports. But in reality, that that that's not like, how that works. I don't know. I if, mm, yes, I understand what you're saying. I yeah. don't know if this is a cultural disconnect. Could be, and I'm and I'm saying that, and y'all can tell me if I'm wrong because I don't oh, want to make good. everything about that. But to me, when my mom says, "Go out there, and you better do the damn thing." That isn't, I know she's still going to love me at the end of the day, win, lose, or draw. But as somebody mm. who's pushing me as a culture, we say, all right, go ahead, go do the damn thing. That means I want to see you win. I'm going to love you regardless, but I, I want to see you win anyway. I don't know if that makes any sense. That, no, that's, and here's the thing. That is a cultural thing because oh, as okay. a, as a, and I think that comes with the, I think there's a societal expectation that there is much more on the stake for people of color to be successful when they take mm. chances and take risks because they are pushing outside of the society. Whereas a white man, no one ever says you better win. They're like, boy, howdy, you did it. You took a risk. Good for you. Like it's, there is not that. So I do think you're right. I do think there is some cultural difference here I that I'm, I am not picking up on given my own privilege and identity. Well, no, it, it, that is what this whole thing is no, about. Absolutely. Though, right? Because my next question to y'all was going to be, Brian, do you have something? Because I, I kind of no, I no. Go it. ahead, go ahead. My, my next question <laughs> was going to be, how do you perceive this movie? Um, not that it's important, but to me, this is a. I am a black man supporting a black movie. Okay, and there used to be a time where you could say there was a movie trailer that you saw. And sp sp speaking of movie trailers, 
we we saw the Shazam trailer and they showed oh. everything except the final finale of the movie in that oh, fucking sure. trailer. I might read the synopsis for that one. <laughs> but, I mean, it kind of blew my mind. But anyway, there was a time when a movie came out and I would say, yeah. oh, that's a black movie. Or depending on how they showed the commercials, we talked about this, right? Depending yes. on if you put a commercial on BET, it has completely different music and different cuts. Yes. Even Brian mentioned on Netflix, the 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 oh, covers the changing, yeah. right? I thought I was tripping because I was on Netflix and all of a sudden I started seeing black people, the yep. black characters from the movies on the covers. And I thought yep. it was like, nope. I thought yep. that I was bugging, but obviously it's feeding me what I uh-huh. Oh, what that's a great segment for us at some point of like, what are your Netflix thumbnails? And we can all tell on each other. Um, oh, no, like yeah. you're, you're not losing it. They do that absolutely purposely. So I was yeah. just thinking, how do y'all see this movie? Is this a, and, and not from a judgmental perspective. So like, I know y'all uh-huh. are not judgmental. Do you consider this a black movie? What is the audience? Like who Brian bought it up? Like, you know, what type of audience this brings in? Who is the audience for this predominantly? Do you think? I mean, I feel like the people in my circles, the people I've talked to, this is like a young men movie, like okay. you're 18 to 35. Okay. Like 18 I mean, to I talk about it with people at work and they were like, they had no idea this movie was coming out, but they're, okay. they're not in the 18 to 35 range. Um, so I feel like you're looking at a lot of like young men into this and it's a, to me, it is a fighting movie. And maybe that's because, it has all the Rocky stuff attached to it. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I think it also be both. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but like it's, it, when I think of this movie, it's a boxing movie. Yeah. And that, that's me. This, this is a, this is a sports movie first. This seems to me, this movie appeals to a couple of different populations, 18 to 28, 18 <laughs> to 36 single dudes, they like to work out. They watch a lot of sports. Maybe they lift a lot of weights in their free mm-hmm. time. There's a lot of hyper masculinity in this movie. It's true. Oh, there's a. It is. That's it a is whole, a sports movie. It's a boxing uh, movie. Again, it's a box uh, yeah. movie. It's a boxing movie. There is a lot of hyper masculinity of like, you know, you're not gonna disrespect me. I'll put you in your. Pl-. There's a lot of like that. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Dick swinging so th- contest. That's exactly. <laughs> I mean. Just kiss already. Like, yeah. just work out your I mean, own the sexual poster, tension. The poster is like flipping Michael B. Jordan's six pack. Like, yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, which I think is a different audience that also gets brought in <laughs> when you see Jonathan Majors and in 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 Adonis. However, if I do, I could see how people. I could see how this movie resonates more, and for different reasons with people from the culture and the African-American community than necessarily than me. Or people that relate to this. I Uh, I don't want to say the struggle. People that relate to getting it out the mud. Because Jonathan Majors plays a character that is fresh out. Had time, missed a lot of time. He's this dude that knows what he wants. Spent all of his time in jail thinking about this one thing. Right. And and he said it in an interview. He was like, a lot of people, and, and I agree, we see a lot of people that don't make it out of the neighborhoods that I grew up in. They either die or they go to jail or they selling drugs or some of them go on and they graduate. They go to college or they do different things. They move away from the city, whatever. The scenarios are so different. Yeah. But you could see the fight and the hunger in Jonathan Major's eyes 
that resonated with me differently. Whereas I might relate to Adonis where I like, I might feel bad because I'm in South Dakota. I don't have to double check. I don't have to double lock my doors, but I still do it out, you know, anyway, but I don't have to do those things necessarily. Marcus, this was an experience for me to, I think if I had watched this movie by myself, I would have not picked up on a majority of the things that mm. you explained to me in the movie. By the way, no one see a movie with us. Like, no, we are, we are not. Don't no. together. Don't, no, no, way. together. <laughs> don't see this. We're going to no talk way. through that whole fucking. I forgot thing. other people were in that movie. I didn't see <laughs> yeah. them in our row, so yeah. I said to myself, <laughs> "Fuck them." Like when I, the lights <laughs> when the lights came on, you could see them like putting their jackets on and looking to see who was behind them the whole time. And they and were like you and me. So like that's the first thing. But I I mean the thing about dude being fresh out. What did you ask me in the movie, Doug? You asked me what something meant. And I I thought I oh, appreciated you uh, asking me. Um Diesel. Diesel. Oh. I said like you're like he's diesel. And Michael I was like, B. Jordan says, Yeah, I see you. You looking good. You looking diesel. Brian, like, what do you think that means? Uh, I have an idea, uh, but I mean, it's a clean, it's a, it's a cleaner burning fuel. So you're looking, you're looking, you're looking smooth and efficient. That's where I'm going. It, you, you're, you're swole. You're like a diesel truck. Oh, you're like, a like you're, you're strong. Got yeah. it. Cause yeah. I, I made that assumption, but I didn't want to make assumptions. So I leaned over to Marcus. I was like, what's that mean? Like when he <laughs> says he's looking diesel, what does mm -hmm. that mean? And he was like, oh, it means he's looking swole. I was like, got it. Like yep. moved on, like oh, that totally on. tracks. That yeah. totally tracks. Yeah. I totally because... an energy efficient route. What's wrong? With like... <laughs> but how would you? But how would you? How would you know that? And Again. this is one thing I love about the podcast is watching it together because it's so two different experiences are yeah. happening in a theater at the same time. Right. And again, the other thing that I'll say is I think. Marcus, like when you say like, oh, brushing your hair at a party is like the blackest right. thing I've ever seen. I would have not thought that there was a problem with that. Right. It's I the specific just, brush that he used. It's, it's, it's the, the timing. It was everything. And again, from you and I hanging out and from my just general awareness, mm -hmm. I know the brush. I know that it has a very specific use. Mm -hmm. I would have never thought that that would have been something someone was taught to not do in public. Mm -hmm. So, again, right. I was opened up to another side of this. So when you say, like, is this a black movie or is it not? I would say watching it with you, I could see how it could be. Mm -hmm. I could absolutely mm -hmm. see how it could be. If it is just some dude in a theater, they're gonna they're gonna relate to it and love it because it's, it's a, a sports movie. movie. Yeah, and yeah. it's overcoming adversity and it's how do you deal with like using sports as a metaphor to deal with your struggles in life? If I had to compare it, it would be like me watching Maverick, right? Because to me, Maverick is just a it's a air it's a Air Force jet mm -hmm. flying plane yes. movie. But to yes. people that are actually in the military from that life, understand it and understand the struggles from that. That is a complete uh, people who have aged like Tom Cruise that are aging out of the military or don't, you know, maybe they didn't move on the yeah. way they were supposed to. Right. They're going to hit that significantly different than me watching team. Like, yeah. oh, look, that motherfucker flipped that plane upside down. Like <laughs> we should we you know what might be fun. And fun might be the wrong word. It might be fun to like pick movies that we think are good representations of culture 
and oh, watch man. them and talk about them. We kind of oh, did man. that though. Like, I'm gonna get you, sucker. We gotta oh, do it with Ryan though. Oh, Marcus, yeah. I'm gonna get you, sucker. Is a yeah. whole other. Yeah. That was before my time. It, it was, was. It was. And I we learned do it again. a lot. Like I, that was an, <laughs> that could be that could be a that could be an independent study in a college. That was course. the heaviest I month of movies because we that watched was... Just Mercy. Oh, I'm God. gonna get you, sucker. And two other movies, and I was like, ooh, even I was like, ooh. and they were Crash. I know yeah, we finished Crash. With crash. Oh, was that, crash. yeah, that was more than a movie, more wasn't it? Yeah. Was oh hard. my gosh, yeah, that was that was, was a deep run. I, could, I couldn't movies. even tell you what the middle one was. I it was another I, one in there, I can't even remember what it was. Yeah, uh, uh, anything else that you'd like to say about Creed, Marcus? I love this movie. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, Creed One and Creed Two are on HBO Max right now. Um, I feel like this is the crown. If they don't do another Creed. I'm okay. Yeah. If they do another creed, um, the only thing I would say is uh, either you do it with Amara, his daughter, who was showing signs of being Ooh. a really good boxer. Yeah. Um, and flash forward. I think Doug and I talked about that after the movie. We, cool. we did. And then I, the only the only other route I would take is don't go with a bigger boxer um, because you, in he's going with Drago, he's going with Pretty Ricky Conlon, and he's going with um, he's going with um, Tom with uh, Jesus Christ with Jonathan Majors. These are all people that are taller and bigger than him, and it's like speed versus power. Yeah. I think you need to go somebody who would match Jonathan. I mean, uh, who would match Michael B. Jordan's like level? Yeah, they can't like, keep getting bigger. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. Like yeah. that, even though it's the heavyweight champion, I get it. It's the heavyweight <laughs> size thing. You can't keep getting bigger. No, you can't. There's a max <laughs> on that. Um, I will say, I pitched a, I pitched a sequel to he this did. movie where it's not. It's not Creed boxing. It's Jonathan Major's character has died and Adonis Creed is 50 and mentoring a son that he didn't know that Diamond Dame had. That's the pitch for the sequel, if there is one. And it's not, it's that feeling again of that obligation to try to undo previous mistakes. And so that's, that's the sequel I could see. Otherwise, the one with Amara works. I think, but I, there are very few situations where I feel like you could do a sequel and not feel like it's a step down from this. And that's a credit to this movie. There are very few where you would feel like you weren't rehashing. So I was typing in all these numbers. There you go. Um, yeah. And shout out to um, his mom passed away in the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, her, oh, Jesus. She's from the Cosby show. Why is her name? Nope. I know who you're talking about. And I read it before. Go back 20 minutes and oh you'll hear God. me read it. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, she just did a phenomenal job. Wasn't yeah, expecting really it. Did. And I love you, Tessa Thompson. If you listen to this and you ever see it, I just love you so much. He, just for all the reasons, not just your external yeah. beauty, just for your talents. You are just an incredible human being. That's, we are that's, big fans. We are very big. <laughs> the fans. biggest. Uh, gentlemen, anything that you all would like to plug this week? Hey, folks, go check out thelovenerds.com. Uh, hey, there's good recipes there. There's good designs there. You know you know what I'm going to say, but you know what? Easter, it's not close at all, which is why it's now a great time to go look up all those recipes to go impress all those people for all the parties you're going to get invited to. Yep, absolutely. Gracias. Absolutely. Uh, Marcus? You want to follow the mantra, never offended, always humble. Um, new music is on the way. I finally decided what album I'm going to do next. And so uh, I'll announce it here first. The next project that you will hear from me is going to be called Somebody 2. And it is a uh, compilation of love songs 
and it's going to tell a story about love. Com- uh, somebody one is on SoundCloud. You can go listen to that. I did somebody one when I first. It was like six years ago now. I put out on SoundCloud. There's a full mm-hmm. album called Somebody, um, and it was like one of my biggest songs. Um, that's self-titled Somebody, and so we're gonna do Somebody too, and it'll be a collection of love songs. So very I'm, I'm very excited about oh, that. Love that. Now. But continue to follow the mantra. Never finish. Always humble. Go to myspreadshirt.followthemantra.com to go get get yourself some gear. Feel the mantra and new soul town in the way as well. Absolutely. Uh, I want to plug somebody on TikTok and give a shout out. So there's oh, nice. a lady that messaged us on on TikTok. Yeah. A good energy lady. Yes. Um, she messaged us. We try really hard to get things right when we talk to talk about uh, issues and subjects when it pertains to identity uh, of actors, actresses, um, etc. And we had a hard time with some pronouns. So I just I want to do like a tip of the hat to good energy lady for saying like, hey, you guys like it clear that you're trying to get it right. You weren't quite quite there yet. She was super cool about it. Um, and so I just want to say like, hey, if there's ever a moment where you are listening to this or you're watching a clip or you are watching a live stream and you feel like maybe we didn't get it 100% right, we are not the type of people to be like, well, fuck you. Like we're going to take it and reflect and try to be better and do better because I think one of the things that I appreciate about the three of us as a unit is we understand that awareness is half of it and us just being aware and it can help us to do better. So again, I appreciate the shout outs. I just wanted to shout out good energy lady on TikTok for that. Also want to plug this podcast. Uh, we got big things coming. March is a big month. I learned today. Uh, we got Shazam <laughs> two coming out. We, after sure that do. we have uh, dungeons and dragons coming out. So there's a lot, there's a lot that's coming. So uh, head over to patreoncom slash films in black and white to sign up for the Patreon. Also share us with a friend. It's the best way to get us uh, some more uh, listeners and to share the love. So those are some ways you can do it. Gentlemen, we have a three step process to success. Mm-hmm. Brian, what is our first step? Hey folks, read a book. book. Uh, I, I've talked to you about a lot of reasons to read a book, but here's the thing you can also read a book with somebody else you can make it a challenge or friendship thing or just something to do with somebody else because no matter what you're doing when you're reading your book and if you got a buddy you know you're reading the same story even if you're not in the same room or just talking to them so anyway books ways to keep in touch with each other absolutely wow uh Marcus, I'm going to give you step two because I have something very specific for step three that I'd like to oh, cover. Okay. So, Marcus, what is the second step to success? You want to make sure you're drinking some water. All right. You want to make sure you drink that water. Um, drink the good stuff. Treat your body to the good stuff. The Voss. Treat your, I forgot other good waters. But, yeah, just find some good waters. Fiji. Find something that ain't just vermilion faucet water. Like, you got sometimes you got to strain <laughs> that out. Sometimes you got to get a Brita filter. Sometimes, you know, you got to do your thing. But make sure you're getting your water intake in. That's very important. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And step three, ladies and gentlemen, is to wash your ass. Look, are you going to go slapping beef with uh, some randoms? Like, you got to have some clean beef before you can do it, and that requires a thorough scrubbing and washing and cleaning. Look, slapping unclean beef is a great way to get salmonella, and that's more than a cooking metaphor. That's a metaphor for your life. So, hey, keep your beef clean and wash away and scrub your ass and your legs uh, and all of it because there's a lot there and I've broken Brian and that means we can end the podcast. Uh, Cause again, don't give yourself salmonella, keep a clean beef. Uh, 
that does it for this week's episode wow. of Films in Black and White. Oh, uh, we will yeah. be back. <laughs> we will be back next week uh, talking Shazam 2. Uh, but in the meantime and in the between time, stay safe, stay healthy. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We'll catch y'all next week. Here's my petition for the song again. It's that time. Things just ain't the same for young Jermaine. Still underrated, but far from underpaid. And though some problems did fade, the hunger stayed. These stomach rumbles could humble thunder. Uh, I'm still fueled by the ones that slumber. To stand out amongst the one-hit wonders. So when the dust settles and the sun is under the horizon, y'all should run the numbers. Uh, who the won't what with me? Heart is out, and I say that reluctantly. Because it should go without saying, but y'all playing dumb. Slapping beef. Slapping, keep it clean. Disgusting. Beef. <laughs> Disgusting.